eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. If, 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 if your blood runs orange and blue, orange and blue. blue. This, this is, pod, is the pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. A masterclass wasted. This is EJ Stewart with Tommy Beer. Orange and Blue Bloods. And Odyssey original, WFA original on the New York Knicks. Great show we got for you guys today. We'll be talking about this historic random performance that ended in a loss for the New York Knicks. They were unable to beat the uh, shorthanded Minnesota Timberwolves at Madison Square Garden on Monday night. So we'll break down why they were unable to get it done and how Julius Randle was able to have a 57-4 performance in this game. So we'll talk plenty about that game. We also got a two-game road trip coming up. We got the Heat on Wednesday, Orlando on on uh, Thursday. So a, a Florida back-to-back. So we'll talk about the importance of those games and how the Knicks can finally get back on track in that one. And we have a very, very uh, important figure returning to the New York City basketball scene in a major way at one of the biggest iconic brands in New York, definitely related to Knicks and Madison Square Garden on multiple fronts. So we'll talk about that as well. Again, this is Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, what's up, my man? How you feeling? Good, good. Yeah, as you mentioned, anytime you get a, a 50 burger, let alone 57 points, um, one of the greatest scorings. Uh, greatest scoring performances in the history of the uh, of a quite famous arena. In fact, the world's most famous arena. Um, yeah. it's, it's certainly disappointing to lose that game, especially to a team that is playing without its two best scorers, its, its two best players. Um, a disappointing loss for the Knicks. Um, you can't give up 140 points to that that Timberwolves team. Um, yes, they made shots, but uh, I think Brunson said it best when um, they didn't miss shots but we didn't make them miss we didn't make them miss shots yeah. um so uh disappointing loss um but uh you know no rest for the weary uh in the nba an important game wednesday night in miami um knicks have to you know shake it off get back on track um they don't have many important games remaining on the schedule but um if they want to get comfortable and and you know kind of secure one of the top six seeds in the east um, they can go away. They, they can uh, do themselves a great favor by beating the Heat Wednesday night in Miami. Yep. Big game uh, Wednesday night. Can't take games like Monday night for granted. So this is what the NBA is all about. Sometimes you go in a game where you think you can maybe outman like a game like Denver. And then you go into a game uh, against the T-Wolves out there. Two best guys. You think, OK, we should 
run right through this team and and then you find yourself on the losing end so this is just what the nba is now you move on to this uh florida road trip we got here so playing to get to on orange and blue buzz this is once again odyssey wfa and original you can get these episodes wherever you get your podcast including the free odyssey app make sure you hit the auto download feature on your download streaming service so you can get these episodes every time we drop we drop three times a week but we have another one following this orlando miami road trip so make sure you hit that auto download feature. Also, please check us out on YouTube and catch us on the Odyssey Sports channel as well. So let's get into this Knicks loss. So the Knicks wasted a historic performance from Julius Randle, one of the most disappointing losses of the season. T-Wolves edged Knicks 140-134. Uh, the Knicks got a career-high 57 points from Julius Randle, but it was not enough to overcome a blistering offensive performance from the Timberwolves. T-Wolves shot 61% from the field for this game, 58% from three. Um, they started this game, they, they made the first 10 or 11 shots to start this game. So it, the Knicks from the beginning did not have the right defensive mentality. Torian Prince uh, for the T-Wolves, 35 points leading them in scoring in this one. He made his first eight threes in a row. Um, hit some big ones on the stretch. Mike Conley had 24 and 11 in this game. Jalen Brunson countered that performance from Conley. He had 23 and 10, but was highly critical of his defensive performance. You mentioned Tommy, uh, what he said. Now I'll play for you right here. Here's Jalen Brunson on the defense from that game. It's frustrating. Got to give him credit, and that they didn't miss, um, but we didn't make a miss. And um, offense wasn't our problem today. The defensively, I was terrible. Um, I got to be better. And um, yeah. It starts with me. I guess it's got to be better on defense. So, Jalen Brunson taking the onus there uh, for the Knicks' poor defensive performance. He was not the only one who played poor defense in this game. They did get Emmanuel quickly, uh, 15 points from him off the bench, but it was not enough. The Knicks got down 17 points in this game. They had looked like they had taken back control in the fourth quarter. They were up five points on the Jalen Brunson bucket with 441 left to go, and the defense let them down again. Uh, Conley made a big bucket. Conley gets fouled shooting a three. McDaniels hits a three. Prince hits a three, and all of a sudden you're down four, and, and, and you're looking up and you're saying, wow, the Knicks are going to let this one slip away. So a really tough loss for the Knicks here. Tommy, what happened to the Knicks defense in this one? Yeah, uh, it's something I think we talked about uh, heading into the pod, on on uh, uh, heading into the game on Monday's podcast, Monday afternoon when we kind of previewed it. Um, you have, you know, you're riding a three game win streak, just came off of a really important win against the Nuggets and you're paying, you're playing a Timberwolves team that is without its top guns. There's kind of a natural human element there that just kind of let your guard down a little bit. And we talked about that's something that the Knicks would have to guard against because even though the Timberwolves are shorthanded, they're essentially playing playoff games from here on out, as are all the teams in the incredibly tightly bunched West. Um, you know, a two game winning streak can bump you up from the 10th seed to the sixth seed. And a two game yeah. losing streak can knock you from the seventh seed completely out of the play in tournament. Um, yeah. That's how valuable, that's how important each game is right now for all those teams um, in that, uh, that, that jumbled mix, that jumbled mess out of the Western conference. So um, they came out hungry. Um, you know, the Knicks uh, were, you know, it's eight, nine point favorite in this game. They had an opportunity to kind of come out, impose their will, the more talented team. Um, they just didn't get after it defensively. Um, you know, they, they did, again, you, you want to say, um, you know, the, 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 the wolf shot lights out and they did, and they made some tough shots. 
Um, yeah. And you have to give him credit for doing so. But as Brunson talked about, you have to chase guys off the three-point line. Torian Prince, eight for eight from three-point land. Um, you know, one you know, he was nine. The record for most made threes in a game in NBA history without a miss is nine. Um, with Trell Sprewell and Ben Gordon. Um, Torian Prince came into this game with a career high of, I'm sorry, a season high of 17 points, goes for 35. Obviously, yeah. again, you got to chase him off the line. Um, and then it was just the little things. Um, again, the Knicks kind of identity has been well, ba well balanced offensive attack. They didn't have that on, on Monday. Part of it was because, and Randall took, you know, 29 shots, but I'm certainly not going to fault him. He was on oh, fire no. playing incredibly yeah. well. The score 57 points on only 29, 29 field goal attempts is incredible. Yeah. Um, so, so all the credit to him, but again, um, and and this is something you know we'll talk about uh, you know if 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 only briefly today in the future. Uh, Mitchell Robinson one field goal attempt. Grimes one field goal attempt. Um, yeah. R.J. Barrett only took eight shots in this game. So those four players—that's three fifths of your starting lineup—combined for only fourteen shots, and they only missed five shots. You know, so um, those are the type of things you kind of want to get everybody involved. This again, this game was an anomaly because Randall was on literally a, a historic heater. Um, so yeah, it's going to throw off the, the, you know, the field goal attempts and all that other stuff. And they quite frankly needed every one of those points, but you circle back kind of directly. It's, it was the little things it's, it, obviously on the defensive end, um, th uh, uh, Nick's down six, get the ball back about 30 seconds left Randall and N one cut the yeah. lead to three, make it a one possession game is 50. 5th, 56th, and 57th point of the evening. Um, one stop, you get the ball back, you still have an opportunity. They force a stop. Um, Jalen McDaniels pushes off on Brunson, no call, misses the jumper. Um, Knicks get the rebound. They have a chance to tie it up. Um, Kyle Anderson, who's kind of the uh, Josh Hart of of that Timberwolves team, yeah. um, little little do everything guy, um, hustle out hustles Randall for the rebound, um, leads to a Tayshawn, uh, leads to the Prince laying, um, which basically a sealer um, game game winner for the for the Wolves puts them up five. Um, but I, I will say um, credit to Brunson. We just played his audio, and also credit yeah. to. Uh, um, uh, Julius Randall after the game um, when he admitted that, uh, you know, that, that it was an inexcusable to allow Anderson to get that offensive rebound. Um, I got the quote here. Jalen got a defensive stop. We're down three. It's my job to come up with that rebound. 14 seconds left. Uh, Randall told reporters after the game, if we do that, we have a chance to win the game. Um, or not win the game, but at least tie the game. So I didn't get the job done. Um, I think it's a good sign that after a yeah. gut punch loss like that, um, the two leaders of the team, the two best players of the team, Randall and Brunson, step up, raise their hand, take accountability. To me, that's a sign of a team that's on the same page. Um, you know, when you're when your key cogs are accountable, um, that kind of stuff trickles down. Whereas if they're pointing fingers, that that kind of stuff trickles down as well. So um, I thought that was an encouraging sign after the loss. This is EJ Stewart. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods with myself and Tommy Beer. After we finished recording today's episode, we learned about the passing of Knicks legend Willis Reed. Reed captained the Knicks to two NBA championships in 1970 and 1973. Reed's most iconic moment came in the 1970s NBA Finals against the Los Angeles Lakers when the league MVP walked out of the Garden Tunnel to take the court in Game 7 after suffering a torn thigh muscle that kept him out of Game 6. Reed hit his first two shots in the game, and the Knicks never looked back, winning 113-99. to Reed won his first of two finals MVPs for his performance in 1970. Reed is among just three players in NBA history to win All-Star Game MVP, NBA MVP, and Finals MVP in one season, which he did in 1970. The others are Shaquille O'Neal and Michael Jordan. 
Prior to playing in the NBA, Reeves starred at historically black university Grambling State, where he led the Tigers to an NAIA championship. He averaged 26 points and 21 rebounds during his senior year at Grambling. Drafted by the Knicks with the first pick in the second round of the draft in 1964, Reed went on to win Rookie of the Year in his first season in New York. He would go on to become a seven-time All-Star. He played his entire 10-year career with the Knicks. In 1982, he was named to the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. He is a member of the NBA's 50th anniversary and 75th anniversary team. He also enjoyed stints as head coach of the Knicks and Nets, along with front office roles for the Nets and the Hornets. He's one of the most impactful sports figures in the history of the city, and New York mourns the life of Willis Reed. He was 80. We'll have more on the life and legacy of Willis Reed later in the week on Orange and Blue Bloods, but for now, here's the rest of today's episode with myself and Tommy Beer. Yeah, I agree, because especially from Randall, because yeah. I didn't really like his attitude after that play. Because, like, he's going after the referees, and I'm like, you didn't grab a rebound, and that's why you're in the situation. And he has a tendency to kind of sometimes lose focus and kind of blame the wrong things in the moment. Um, you know, and I thought, like, him kind of now, you know, he went on a, on a whole rant with the refs after the game. It took him a long time to get off the court. Like, I'm like, this game comes down to that one rebound, and you have a chance maybe to send this to overtime. So it was great, I think, to see him maybe calm down and realize, all right, at the end of the day, I didn't grab a rebound. And I think sometimes, I think with Randall. I think he internalized a lot of that frustration and takes it out on the refs, even when he knows it's his fault. Like, I think even then he knew, and he saw him slam the ball against the against the station because he knew that he needed to get that rebound. He usually then takes his mind other places, and then usually he then goes after the refs. But to hear him take that accountability was great. Brunson to take that accountability was great. Um, you do mention the lack of shot times for these other guys, and you're right. Like Randall was just on fire, and I can't really. I have no problem with any of the shots really he took in this game, but. There is a tendency sometimes when, especially when Brunson and Randall are playing together. And, you know, we've had now some moments where each guy, not not Randall, but Brunson's been out for some time during the season. When that happens, there are these games where it seems like some of these other guys aren't able to really get involved as much. Um, you know, we've seen, obviously, the games of Mitch Robinson. But we've seen R.J. Barrett at times kind of struggle in, like, kind of figuring out what that spot is for him in this, in this, uh, in his third, as a third option on this team. It's a... It's a it's a delicate game because those guys are so offensively gifted. It's like how do you say to take less shots away from those guys? But um, but I do think those guys need to be cognizant of keeping those other players involved. And I also want to say for this game in terms of the defense, this is why this is a first quarter lead. I know you'll say, well, the Knicks were able to take the lead in the fourth quarter. Yeah, but the 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 T Wolves got off to that hot start and they stayed hot because the Knicks just didn't guard them in the first quarter. Like when you come into a game and there are too many great shooters in this league now and you can't, as Jordan Brunson said, just like beg them to miss or just hope that they miss. You need to actually get stops. So when these guys get in such a great rhythm, like Prince was able to do, like Conley was able to do, like they say, you know, playing in college, like these kids are on scholarship too. Like these are the NBA players as well. So you let these players get in that kind of rhythm. Now when the game is tight, or you're trying to make a comeback, and now you're trying to force these guys to miss. Well, now these guys are in a great rhythm because you've been letting them just get off for the first quarter, quarter and a half. It's a lot harder than turn the water off. Some teams can do it. Sometimes you'll get fortunate and you'll be able to get those stops, but this was a night where the Knicks weren't able to, and that's why in many ways I feel like they lost this game in the first quarter. They did have a chance to win in the fourth, but them not being able to do anything in that first half and in that first quarter. Uh, allowed Minnesota to just get in a great rhythm and it just they they played with a lot of confidence for the entire game. 
Yeah, you know, when you give a team confidence like that, it's tough to take it away from them. You know, when, when Prince sees his first two or three go in, um, yes. he's not going to hit eight for eight every night, but obviously that's going to boost his confidence. Same thing with Connolly. You let him get into the lane. Um, Brunson took accountability for that. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, just uh, in terms of the uh, the kind of the offensive involvement, Grimes is the guy that I think um, is most yeah. kind of concerning um, of late. Um, he's played less than 21 minutes each of his last three games. Um, over the New York's last four games, he's averaging less than four field goal attempts a night, um, despite shooting 50% from downtown. He's 8 of 16 over that four-game stretch. Um, but it's less than, than total 20, sh- uh, 20 total shot attempts. Um, Grimes is too talented to be ignored offensively uh, for long stretches. Again, last night, I'm, I'm not going to get too overly concerned about it, but still, just one field goal attempt is not going to cut it. Um, get the ball in, 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 uh, in Grimes' hands more often. Um, we know we can knock down three-pointers, but he also does a great job attacking the paint and feeding Mitch, which will get Mitch more involved. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought that Mitch might get, you know, the team might look to um, involve Mitch Robinson a little bit more after his belly aching earlier this week just to say hey we appreciate you big guy he had just one field goal attempt last night um you know uh barrett you know he's going to get his he only had eight last night so i'm not not so much worried about that but um it's those two guys i think again um the knicks are just better when they're more balanced um i was looking at the numbers this morning this was the fourth game Randall's attempted more than 26 field goal attempts the knicks are just one and three in those four mm-hmm. games um yeah. he's 20 games he's averaged uh, he's attempted more than 21 field goal attempts um the Knicks are 10 and 10 in those games so not bad um but this is a team that's 10 games over 500 so they obviously the winning percentage is lower right. um when Randall starts to get up there and you know the same can be said for for most other you know for Barrett and and Brunson again when they find that 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 again it's a delicate balance um and when a guy has it going like Randall did um I'm not going to knock him for taking shots i'm not gonna knock knock the team for feeding him um but that's the exception obviously um when a guy scores 57 points 11 points higher than randall ever scored at any point in his career um so just going forward i think the team wants to be cognizant of um i I think if i was tibbs one of the things i prioritize over these last you know nine games on the schedule let's keep uh, grimes involved let's make sure that you know we find because you're going to need him in a playoff game yeah he should be playing more than 20 minutes. He, I, he's probably going to play 30 minutes um, because of all the, all the all, everything he brings to the table defensively, um, you know, depending on matchup. Yeah, if they're playing they play the Cavs, then those minutes are going to skyrocket because he's going to be the guy you want to get You want to get him comfortable in a situation where he's, you know, still a part of the offense. And so they, I definitely keep an eye on um, as we kind of come down the stretch here. And Julius Randle, as you mentioned, uh, that 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 dominant performance he had, fifty-seven points. Um, you know, th- th- that performance now puts him up there among some of the highest point totals at, at Madison Square Garden ever. You're talking about Michael Jordan. You're talking about LeBron. You're talking about Carmelo Anthony. You're talking about, of course, a great Bernard King, a Stephen Curry. So he was asked about what it meant, especially for those Nick players that put up those big numbers. What it meant to kind of be. Uh, in the same uh, list as them now with that performance. And if he can try to have more of these performances for his career here with Julius Randle on that. God willing, you know, hopefully, you know, those are the legends in this game and uh, pioneers who uh, specifically for this organization, you know, laid the, the, um, the groundwork and, you know, led the way for players like myself to come behind them and be able to play the game I love and, you know, um, be able to go out and, put on, um, you know, that Knicks jersey with pride. So, um, you know, hopefully, but, you know, I just want to win. Love the last part there. Like, all that stuff is great. I understand what it means. I just want to win, though. And I think that, as you mentioned, really 
as bad as this loss was, and I would argue maybe it's the worst loss of the season, given the, the way the Timberwolves were coming into this game, not playing well, guys injured, um, and then Randall scoring 57, you lose. One of, I think they're the only team in, in this season in the NBA that had a guy score 50 and lose this season. So terrible loss. But I, I, I really did love what I heard from Brunson and Randall in this postgame. And um, and it just tells me hearing him talk about wearing the New York Nick jersey with pride. It just tells you again, once again, how you know what it what can change in just a year. You know, like last season, you know, he's thumbing down the fans, and you know everybody wanted him out of here. And here he's talking about how important it's to put on that Nick jersey with pride and to uh, uh, and honor those legends who played before him. So I uh, loved what I heard from Randall there. Hopefully, he will have more games like that in the future, and hopefully, it'll be Nick wins. Yeah, definitely. Um, I th- I know older players appreciate it when when the younger guys you know show deference and, and appreciation um, and humbleness and, and talk about the groundwork that's laid because uh, it's a, it's a, it's important essential part of the history um, and the reason why these guys make so much money is partly because of the, as as Randall mentioned the groundwork um, of, of guys that came before him. So yeah, um, yeah I think it's just a um, the, him taking accountability for the major mistake on a night he scored fifty seven points. He wasn't crowing about scoring 57 points he was talking about the one you know a defensive mistake and and not boxing out and and grabbing the rebound away from anderson um again it shows we've seen the maturity on the court there it waxes and wanes um he does get too involved with the referees on a nightly basis he does um you know let his emotions boil to the surface uh too frequently but again that's kind of the the flip side of the coin one of the reasons why he's able to score 57 points is because he's um and again credit to him for working maniacally in the offseason to build his yep. body up to the point where in the 72nd game of the season, he hasn't sat a game out. He leads the league in minutes um, and is still able to. I've seen more explosive dunks. We saw that dunk in the second quarter. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen more explosive dunks from Randall this season than, than in his, maybe in his career. Um, yeah. He was playing with just ex, this explosion and pop that he still has in his legs this far into the season, knowing the wear and tear and the grind that he's been through uh, over the past four months deserves a ton of credit for for um you know coming into the season phenomenal shape maintaining that um really has been remarkable um so we get you know he definitely deserves his flowers on that end and just and and so not only on the court production but just you know um the way he handled those final few seconds wasn't good he got a technical inexcusable but then you know take a deep breath go back in the locker room didn't blame his teammates um, came out, said the right thing. So it's a growth maturity process. Again, we've talked about it before. Um, these guys are still relatively young men finding themselves maturing yeah. um, and, and credit to Randall for doing so over the last year. And credit to Randall as well for this performance. Cause I actually felt in the last maybe uh, two weeks or so, like I feel like since that Laker game, not Nick's been winning. So it hasn't been an issue, but he hasn't necessarily played that great. Like he hasn't really had a big game. He's had, you know, 20 and 10, you know, 23 here. But like, you know, he he had before that been on just an absolute, you know, scorcher for a little while. And it seemed like he started to, his numbers are to kind of plateau a little bit. And then Brunson came back the last game and, and then, you know, he, his numbers did even more. So I kind of was wondering if Randall had maybe was hitting a wall, like, you know, quietly while the Knicks were still winning. And then he goes out there and scores 57. In the game they needed all 57, it still wasn't enough. So that just shows you um again the the commitment he he made this season to get himself in the right shape and to and the mental uh focus he has to still be able to put a performance like that in uh this late in the season. So Knicks lose this one, tough loss. Uh, but they now uh head over to uh Florida to see if they can get themselves right. So as MSG prepares to host the East Regionals for the men's NCAA tournament, Knicks are 
in Florida for a two-game road trip. They'll start things off with a big game against the Miami Heat on Wednesday night. The Heat rallied in the fourth quarter to beat Detroit on Sunday. The Knicks won the last two meetings between the Miami Heat, uh, which were very important. Randall hit a dramatic game winner in Miami to beat the Heat on March 3rd, 122-120. Miami's three games behind the Knicks in the standings. They are currently in that dreaded seventh spot. That is the first spot in the playing environment. Knicks will then travel to Orlando to face the Orlando, uh, Orlando Magic on Thursday night. Um, the Knicks also won their first two meetings with the Magic this season. Knicks won a tough road game on February 2nd, 102-98. So starting with this Heat game, Tommy, how did the Knicks bounce back against a, a Miami Heat team that you know will, uh, will be desperate to try to get this one? Yeah, first and foremost, let's note the importance. Again, Knicks haven't clinched anything yet this season. Um, yeah. Yes, they're in a comfortable position. They're two games ahead of the Nets. Um, who uh, uh, are the six seed, Knicks as the five seed. Um, Nets are playing uh, the Cavs Tuesday and Thursday. Um, difficult matchup, obviously. Um, Cavs will be favored both of those games. Cavs um, can, can do the Knicks a favor. Um, it's kind of like, as I mentioned previously, it was kind of a win-win. Um, but I think at this stage of the game, I don't be interested. To, uh, let me ask you, um, yeah. who are you rooting for in that game, Cleveland and Brooklyn? I think at this point, you got you to gotta try to stay in five. So I think yeah. you got to just say, because the thing about Cleveland is, one, you have a game with Cleveland. So you can kind of, yeah. you, you can win a game in game one, but you, you can't drop to six. Okay. Not that I'm, like I said, I'm not as afraid of Boston or Philly as maybe most Knicks fans are, but I'm not right. wishing to see those teams. I'd prefer to play Cleveland out of all those four top teams. Okay. So you got to get that five spot at least. So you got to see Cleveland try to win these games. It, the only thing I'd say for the six seed, and I thought about this kind of randomly the other day, um, if you want to get crazy and you want to get funky and you want to think, all right, if they win that first round, yeah. you know, and then maybe they can in the second round, um, you know, avoid the Bucks because I think the Bucks, I think we'd all agree, have kind of established themselves as the as the team. Um, so if you play, mm -hmm. if you stay in that four or five slot and you beat the Cavs in the first round, incredible accomplishment. Um, playing the Bucks um, yeah. is 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 not not fun. Um, but that being said. <laughs> To totally agree with you. Um, uh, the that that prioritizing the five seed is is probably um, the idea right now. So I think Nick fans should probably root for the Cavs there. Um, but again, from just from the Knicks perspective, again, nothing's clinched. Not yeah. and not even the six seed. So yeah. um, you know they they are um, you know. They, they enter tonight three games ahead of the Heat, and they won the first two games against Miami. Um, so if they win tonight, they clinch the tiebreaker. They'll be up four games on Miami with eight games left in the schedule. I don't want to say that's an insurmountable thing, lead. Anything can happen. Um, but that's a very comfortable marge cushion to work with. Um, yeah. It also, I think, uh, importantly, um, it would enable the coaching staff to kind of limit Brunson's minutes coming down the stretch. Um, maybe yeah. limit Randall, give him a few extra minutes of, of rest tonight. Give Obi a top and a couple more minutes. Um, you know, maybe get McBride, you know, some get him some rest for in, in favor of Brunson. Um, the final five or six games of the season. If you lose this, um, then it's only two games. You know, then the uh, the, the lead over Miami is down to two games. Then the Knicks play the Heat again next Wednesday. Um, yeah. You know. Then, then you start. Anything can happen. Then you start worrying. Yeah. Then, you, then, then you, then you, then there's a reason for to, Nick fans to be a little nervous. So um, the Knicks haven't played an important, really, really important game. You know, it seems like they've kind of been, you know, playing with house money for a while. Um, you know, games against the Nuggets, etc. 
this is an important contest yeah. coming off that loss against Minnesota, going down to Miami. Um, he'd have been struggling, but we know what Jimmy Butler can do in, a, in a, an important game. As you yeah. mentioned, same way the Timberwolves were, were in desperation mode, same thing for the Heat. Uh, they know that yeah. the Nets are playing the Cavs at the same time, um, you know, and, and not only catching the 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 the, the um the Knicks are is the goal, obviously, but they're only a game ahead of uh, ahead of uh, game behind Brooklyn. So if they can win yeah. this game and the Nets lose, then they're tied for that sixth seed. So uh, a lot of lot on the line, a lot at stake. Um, will be very interesting to see how both teams uh, approach this contest. Yeah, and you mentioned the desperation level for the Heat and how the T Wolves had that same desperation after the game. Uh, I watched Torian Prince in the post game for Valley Sports. Uh, their T Wolves channel, I guess, it was South North, whatever it is. But um, he said essentially that. This is a desperate game. We lost two in a row. We're in a crazy playoff race. And our goal was to just go out there and play as hard as possible and do things that the other team is not willing to do. And we and we found out this morning, um, I'm sure the team knew, but we, the collective, we found out this morning that um, I think it was Shams that reported that Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards are, I don't know, probable. I'm not sure the wording you used, but it sounds like they both have a chance to return Wednesday. So I'm sure the yeah. Wolves are thinking, listen, let's just go all out Monday, get this win, and then we get the reinforcements coming Wednesday night. Yeah. Like these teams that are fighting for their lives, that like they know that at this point in the season, there are some teams that are just not going to be able to go to the lengths that they're willing to go to get a win. And the T-Wolves and Torian Prince essentially saying that he felt like the Knicks, um, that they just outworked them and they were just going to play a lot harder than them. And that's what they did. It was very clear in this game. So this is the mindset that these teams have that are in the playing tournament. So any team that you're playing in the playing tournament right now, that's in that situation, like you need to be playing a hundred percent focused and, and are really on your game because these teams are playing with a serious sense of desperation, especially these teams that are like veteran teams that aren't tanking. You know, some of these teams, like the Oklahoma State Thunder, like I know they want to make the play in, but like if they don't miss it and they get in the lot of rounds, they'll be, you know, panicked. I don't think the Jazz will be panicked. The Jazz, I don't know if you've seen the Jazz. They, they were, Chris Dunn was playing yesterday and they won against the Kings. So some of these teams, I think, are kind of trying to get themselves out of the play in, but the Heat is not one of those teams. The T Bulls, not one of those teams. So when you face these teams, like you have to, um, play you have to be on your p's and q so the knicks they're gonna have to come fo- come out focused and what i would expect which is going to be interesting is the last time these two teams played miami blitz brunson on screens which i thought was uh what you'll see in the playoffs but then randall went crazy so what i wonder is how do they adjust their team this time around uh they, they play a lot of zones so i expect they'll play a lot of zone again against the knicks but um randall went crazy against the Rams coming out of a 57 uh, a burger like wonder how the heat change their defensive strategy do they decide to run even more doubles at randall do they maybe let brunson play a little more one-on-one how does that work do they just play almost exclusively zone which i've seen a couple teams do against the knicks this season uh, what do you think about the adjustments that he may make coming into this game considering they played two very interesting games against the knicks they were different games if he went off brunson didn't play second game brunson played they tried to take him away and then Brandon went for 44. Yeah, and you know Randall obviously hit the game winner um, in, in Miami uh, that Friday yeah. night, the last time they played, and he's coming off a career high fifty-seven. Um, it'll be interesting. I, I wonder if they'll, you know, we, we've seen Bam, you know, cover him on on occasion. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see if they run doubles at him and, and take the ball out of his hands. I would think they'd be hesitant to do that um, because then you allow Brunson to carve you up um, in, in, on the interior in the paint, um, either getting his own shot or, or, or assisting assisting others. Um, Brunson ten assists last night. So. So, um, yeah, I, I think that'll be a, an important factor on the Knicks end. Um, you know, I think controlling Jimmy Butler is, is the key. 
um, you know, because we saw him, you know, do damage, get to the free throw line 18 times. And we talked about yeah. Grime. Um, this is an opportunity for him to step up. Um, he's one of those guys when in the playoffs, you're going to, you know, you're going to have to stop that, that other team's best score, typically a perimeter wing player. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, um, you know, what, what kind of effort Grimes can do to kind of hold that team in check. Um, and, and Lowry, you know, we know that, you know, he's been up and down dealing with that knee injury. Gabe Vincent's been starting a lot of games for him. Um, yeah. but, and, then, and then, of course, Tyler Hero. Um, you know, we've, yeah, he's he, was, had, he was huge against Detroit. He had, I think, 10 points in the last three minutes of that game. To, to you know, that game was a lot closer than the final score was, but yeah, yeah, a big fourth quarter. And even against the Knicks, the Randall buzzer beater game, uh, he played well in the fourth quarter. So he's a guy that obviously th- those are the two guys you have to focus on. Um, and then you got the all around immense talent of Bam Adebayo, who in the first game the Knicks played against Miami had one of his better games this season. So, um, you know, this this is a, a talented team, well coached team. You know, they'll be prepared and desperate. So, Knicks gonna have to come out fighting. Yeah, the the, the Heat haven't gotten the results they would expect, given how great Jimmy Butler has played in the month of March. But these are his numbers in the month of March. Month month of March, he's averaging twenty six points, shooting fifty eight percent from the field, forty percent from three. He's also averaging five assists and almost seven rebounds. Um, he is playing at uh, a at the high end of Jimmy Butler's potential. Like this is final Jimmy Butler that, that, that the Heat have had essentially for the last a month or so, and he's only playing thirty three minutes a night. And these numbers, these minutes have been increasing steadily over the course of this stretch. So uh, you come into this game, Bam Adebayo has been the guy that's really killed the Knicks in these games against the Heat this year. Uh, Jimmy Butler, I think, is a guy who may wake up uh, and have a big one here. So um, they're playing at home. They desperately need that game against the Pistons, and they got it. This is going to be a good one. I think that just like that, we knew that Friday night game was going to be a good game. I think that this uh, game coming up on Wednesday, I think it's going to be a similar final possession kind of game between these two teams. And and it'll be interesting to see, you, you mentioned Bam, who, what center for the Knicks is on the floor in that final five minutes. Because like, he's, he's gone with Hardenstein lately. Um, and Mitch just doesn't seem, you know, the, the comments, you know, he's played decently, um, but he seems a little bit out of a groove. Obviously the three bad games prior to the social yeah. media post hasn't played well in the, he hasn't played great in the two games since, um, Hardenstein has, you know, continued to uphold his end of the bargain. Um, but you, they're not, the, and he's done a good job defensively, but they're not the same team defensively. Um, when, when you, when you have Hardenstein as opposed to Mitch Robin there. So I'll be interested to see, um, if, if Robinson's on the floor, uh, at the end of the fourth quarter, if this is a close game. Yeah. Mitch had a big steal, I think in the last possession of that heat game, if I remember correctly, because, yep. yep. you know, ran out the shot and they needed to get a stop and, um, unlike the New York game where Hero got a wide open three, and you're like, oh my God, in the corner, Randall closed out pretty well to make it somewhat contested. Uh, Mitch Rob, they didn't get shot off in the last play. Mitch Robson was going to get a big steal. So you're right. How they finished with Mitch, who I agree. I thought I really was disappointed in Mitch, honestly, on Monday night because I, I, I really like how he played against uh, Denver um, yeah. and guarding Jokic. I thought it was a good bounce back. And like now you got another premier match against another premier center. And I just, he was just invisible. Like, you know, Gobert's killing him on the backboard. Robert scored a bunch of points in that game. Like, I don't know what Mitch was on. So that that was a little unfortunate. So we'll see um, if Hardenstein ends up closing this game. They also then have that game against the Magic. And I tell you what, like, I don't really look forward to games against the Magic. Like, like I know maybe other teams in the NBA do or maybe fan bases do, but I just feel like every time the Magic play against the Knicks, they present problems. They're long. They're athletic. Uh, they're not necessarily the best offensive team, but they, they can guard you up and they can defend. I don't expect that game to be uh, an easy game either. I know they just lost to the Lakers. Uh, uh, Austin Reeves had a career-high 35 points in that one. 
But the night before in uh, against the Clippers, they won, you know, and they've won a lot of these games, they beat the Heat uh, a couple weeks before as well. So I, I do not sleep on their Orlando Magic, especially when they play against the Knicks. Typically, these are very competitive games as well. Do not sleep on the Orlando Magic. Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned casual NBA fans think, ah, oh, it's a win. They're a rebuilding yeah. team. No, like you you watch those games. You watch the, the Magic play night tonight. They play hard. They play well. They don't have the results. They haven't been able to finish. You know, a lot of games they've blown, um, you know, four-point leads, yeah. multiple possession leads late in games because they don't have a closer. Um, right. They play, you know, 20-year-old kids. Um, but you mentioned that Clippers game. Um, uh, the, the Lakers loss was the second night of a back-to-back in LA. That first night, the Saturday game in LA, um, uh, Markel Fultz, 28 points, six rebounds, four assists, four steals. He's playing the best basketball, probably in his NBA career the last couple yeah. weeks. Wendell Carter went for 27 and 12 in that game. Uh, Franz Wagner, you know what he, you know, he's one of the most talented young, uh, three fours in the NBA. He had yep. 20 and four. Um, you know, they got Cole Anthony had 18, eight and six off, uh, 18, eight and two off the bench. Um, they got dudes, um, they play hard. They play the right way. That is, it's going to be the second night of a back to back. Um, uh, for the Knicks, um, whereas the the Magic, uh, they uh, they have a night off. Um, yeah. they, they play tonight, and then they don't play again until Thursday, so they'll have a rest advantage in that game. Um, you know, so yes, by no means that is not a a duck walk by any stretch of the imagination. Um, uh, for the Knicks, you know, they'll 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 walk in prepared. And the other thing the Knicks have going for them as they make their way down to South Florida is lots of New Yorkers in the stands, yes. as we've seen this season, and it'll only ramp up as the Knicks are. are are playoff bound. Um, there will be a lot of orange and blue in the building in Miami and Orlando. Yeah, that that last game at Amway Center in Orlando, I had never seen anything like that before. I mean, I know we've seen these games with Knicks on Florida and a lot of fans, but it, it that was a Knicks crowd. They took over the Amway Center, and I, you know, I get it. It's you know, Orlando having a tough season. Maybe fans aren't getting knocked out as much. They're playing New Yorkers in Florida, so they made their way. But I mean, that was like an eighty percent Knicks crowd which was just stunning to kind of see uh, as, as you see a game down the stretch, you hear defense chants in the Amway center. You're hearing, you see Brunson get big buckets and they're going crazy. And and so, yes, I, that, that will help them a great deal. They will have, uh, have a, a big presence definitely in Miami. And again, I, I think that you will have another really big presence in Orlando as well. So that, that always helps the Knicks when they head down South for these games. So should be fun, man. Uh, I wish I was down there. I know we got some decent weather coming to the new Northeast now. So, so that, that's good. But, you know, I love when these teams uh, make these little trips to certain regions, like they went to LA for a back-to-back and then how they do the Orlando Miami trip. I think these are fun for a lot of the fans who live in those areas or fans who want to take a vacation and go out to one of these, these uh, have you ever done that Tommy? Have you ever taken a trip out to any of these road trips things have done where they've gone to LA or Florida to see some of these games? I haven't. Um, I do try to get out to um, uh, my dad and I try to go to like the iconic venues. We've been to, uh, you know, Wrigley Field, Fenway. Yeah. Um, saw UNC Duke play um, at uh, at Krzyzewskiville, you know, like all oh, um, nice. Green Bay. I've been to Lambeau, well, went with my wife. Um, so kind of the the more iconic, if I'm going to plan a trip around a game, um, yeah. so it was, uh, went to, um, I'm a Lions fan, you know, I've been to Detroit. Yeah. And then that's I, I, we flew out on a Saturday, went to see Michigan play at the big house, and then went to the Lions game the next day. Oh, so, nice. Um, trips like that, um, I, 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 you know, like I, I see enough of, of uh, a little bit uh, jaded. I've, I've seen a lot of NBA game so the, the other yeah. arenas and stuff I'll, if, if i'm going to plan a trip around um, a sporting event i'll try to do one of those type of deals 
Gotcha. Yeah, I, I did a couple years ago. I think this was actually the right before the <laughs> pandemic. Um, I did the uh, L.A. trip. So Knicks had a back-to-back um, Clippers-Lakers. That was a lot of fun. What's funny is uh, the L.A. trip is nothing like the Florida trip where it's all Knicks fans. So the Clipper game is interesting because, like, you have a, a fan base that is very apathetic. So, like, it was a lot of Knicks fans. But also, even though, like, there are also just a lot of people that just weren't, like, really any fan. They just came out because, like, Clippers were playing and Knicks playing. So it was a very comfortable crowd. It was very fun. So I'm like, oh, cool. I'll go to this Laker game. It'll be exactly the same. It was not the same. Uh, it was Laker fans all over the place. I'm like, oh, where the Knicks fans go? They, they, we got uh, we got completely overshadowed. There were not many of us there. Very uncomfortable sitting there with my girlfriend, all these Laker fans. You know, the guy is telling me how much they couldn't stand Julius Randle when they when he was a Laker. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not liking him either. This is Julius Randle's first year. <laughs> and, and we lose the game, and I got these Laker fans. There. Yeah, cuz, throwing me the L sign, throwing up all crazy signs. I'm like, oh, okay, let's get out of here. This is a little weird. Um, so yeah, so it, it's those trips are, are fun. I like to, to take them. Different environment if you head over out to LA for a Lakers Clippers game if you're a Knicks fan. Totally different vibes. Um, but uh hopefully Knicks fans who head down to Florida for these two. Know there'll be plenty of them going out there. They enjoy uh Heat, Knicks, or Wednesday, uh Magic Knicks Thursday. Excuse me, yeah, Magic Knicks Thursday. But um, let's get to our last story for today. And a former Knicks coach is hoping to restore one of the city's most iconic basketball brands to glory. Rick Pitino was introduced Tuesday as the new head coach for St. John's men's basketball team. Pitino spent the past three seasons at Iona, where he went 64 and 22. He made two NCAA tournament appearances with the Gales. He left Louisville after the 2017 season somewhat in shame amid a slew of scandals. The final one being a pay-to-play scheme that involved the FBI investigation. Uh, there was also a scandal in 2015 involving a former escort who said that she was hired by Louisville assistants to party with recruits. Patina was suspended five games for that scandal, and the team had to forfeit its place postseason aspirations for that season. So uh, Matino definitely comes with a cloud of, you know, mess, uh, which is kind of where he's been for a lot of his career. But – He's a two-time national champion. He won both at Kentucky and Louisville. He made uh, three uh, final fours with, you know, three different schools. So uh, I don't know if anybody's ever done that. It, it, they have very few guys have done that. So Rick Pitino, uh, a legendary coach, an iconic coach, kind of um, out of the, the main lens of college basketball, now kind of back into the mainstream, so to speak, with St. John's. Uh, how do you feel? Do you think Rick can bring St. John's back? Like, it's been a long time. Like, I feel like this has been a really a dormant, sports brand in new york city for a while now 100 percent, and for that reason i'm okay with rolling the dice i mean if i look at the big picture this is 70 year old man what's mm-hmm. the future what's the long-term picture obviously you'd like to hire um you know the young aspiring assistant or the you know the d2 coach that comes in turns the program around and is there for 30 years and you know has an arena named after him after like Karnaseka, you know like that type yeah. of thing is is the ideal Knicks have tried that. It, it hasn't worked. You know, the Norm Roberts and the, and the other guys that they've kind of brought in and, you know, that they thought could recruit. It's, it didn't get the job done for whatever the case is. Um, so for that reason, I think it's worth the, you know, it's it's kind of similar to the Aaron Rodgers situation in New York. You know, like there's kind of a small window, um, but, you you know, the, 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 they've tried other things. They've tried drafting the quarterback multiple times. It just it hasn't panned out. So let's go with uh, a guy that brings some some uh, some baggage with them, bring some luggage yep. with them. But he also brings 
games won. He also brings uh, legitimacy um, and, and a reputation for winning basketball games. Iona, two out of three years, bringing them to the tournament. Um, yeah. And the Knicks, you know, the combination of him in New York with the NIL opportunities, um, they are that that money has been a situation at St. John's funding the program yeah. and recruits, et cetera. That will not be a situation going forward. Um, he will have uh, and, and access to plenty of boosters um, that are going to come out of the woodwork um, and hopefully bring a little spark, a little energy. Um, because when when the Johnnies are good, the city gets behind them. This is a city that yeah. is a that loves basketball. Um, so let, let's hope he does. Um, I'm interested in your take, though. What do you think? Yeah. Do you think it's, it's worth a roll of the dice? It's crazy because I sit here as a Jets fan and St. John's fan who lambasted Aaron Rodgers for years with the Packers but said as soon as he came available, the Jets need to get him. I have a St. John's fan who lambasted Patino for our – I pretty much thought he wrecked the Louisville program with his lack of institutional control as the um, as the uh, NCAA, uh, uh, NCAA would say. And I'm saying that you have to get rid of Patino. This is kind of where it has to be because St. John's has tried everything. They got the longtime assistant who's a New Yorker and Norm Roberts. That didn't work. They got the TV personality and guy who people uh, could relate to in Steve Lavin. That didn't work. They got the former St. John's great. Yeah. Yes, and back in the day. They got the um they got the uh the the former St. John's great, an NBA great, um, who's never coached before, but you know, has a affinity to the city. He he's from here. Chris Mullen did not work. And now they, they said, you know, let's just do random. Let's just get somebody from out of nowhere, but who has won a lot. And let's see if they can do it. I know they've never won anything big, but they're a consistent winner. Um, that didn't work with Mike Anderson. So they've now tried pretty much everything and nothing has worked. So you have to go for the proven commodity. You have to go for the legend, the icon that is Rick Pitino. And look, I pretty much expect that in six, seven years, it's going to be some gnarly scandal that's going to make the school terrible and put this team back into uh, into purgatory. But at this point, what do you have to lose? That's where they are now. Like, like you know, and that's what's been disappointing since they're to kind of rebrand the Big East where all these, you know, all the cap schools essentially came together and they brought in some new schools, Creighton, Xavier and such. You know, you looked at the landscape and said, okay, you know, St. John's, they have a chance in this Big East. You know, before when Big East had Syracuse, something, like you knew, like there was no chance St. John's was cracking through that Big East, uh, when Louisville was in there, where Patino was with them, like that, that Big East was gnarly. I Notre Dame as well, but you saw this new landscape. Say, okay, Butler's here now, Creighton's here now. You think that St. John's they should find a way to be a perennial tournament team? Maybe they'll win the conference one year, and it's just been nothing. Uh, they've had a couple of tournament appearances, but that's been it. They haven't had any success in this new Big East, and it's been shocking because there've been plenty of years. You know, I've been to some of these uh, media days and and, and seen the, the the preseason rankings. Some of these years, St. John's they picked the finish first or second or third in the Big East, and they never came close to that. So um, I think it's an exciting day for St. John's fans. I think that uh, one thing I will say is it seems like this new president, uh, uh, you know, at the school, uh, he's invested in winning. Um, um, th- this is a totally different. Uh, Rick Tino said the only reason why I'm here essentially is because of this guy. Um, he, I guess they had a connection because of the Providence connection. And, you know, they're not going to accept what's happening with this basketball program. Now, it sounds like they're going to try to save some of this money by maybe uh, skimping out on Mike Anderson because they're now they're trying to say he was fired with cause, which I don't know what he could have done to be fired with cause other than be a bad coach in lost games. But they're trying not to pay him. They're getting sued now. So I think they're probably saying, yo, we can just fight this guy in lawsuit. We're going to pay him five years from now because that's what happened with Kevin Nolly in UConn. But I think they're thinking we can save some money now 
and use this money on Rick, use this money on the facilities. And I'm hoping that they find a way to once again, kind of make MSG their home court. Like I think one of the things that has really hurt St. John's is, you know, watching them play so many marquee games at Carnesecca arena. And it is ridiculous. You know, I grew up when St. John's played, you know, about half their home games at Madison Square Garden. Now it's about four or five. Like, that's not going to happen with Rick Pitino. I, I assure you he's going to make sure they're playing at the Garden. And he actually spoke about uh, what it means to be um, the head coach of St. John's and playing at Madison Square Garden. So I want you guys to hear this from Rick Pitino. And today, for me, this is one of the most special moments of my life. I've been to the Garden as the Nick coach. I've been to the Garden as the Providence coach. And now I get to represent something really, really special. And it's not about when or if it's going to happen for St. John's. And it's going to happen in a big way. But the first thing you have to do is you have to build a culture, not only a culture of great basketball, exciting basketball, but a culture of academic excellence, a culture of treating everybody with great respect, a work ethic second to none, giving every ounce of perspiration you have in you for the name on the front, St. John's. I tell you what, like the one thing I will say about Rick, and I've always said this about him, is he's one of my favorite coaches. I, I say all this stuff about him being, you know, slimy and, and potentially, you know, getting this team in problem. Like he's a phenomenal coach. The way he prepares his team, the way he adjusts in games, like he's I've like I've loved watching Louisville. I was a little too young when he was at Kentucky. I've always loved watching Louisville play because like he's one of the best coaches. But like you hear that and you say, hey, I know why this guy is successful. Like, I know why this guy um, wins games because like that makes you want to run through a wall right there. You say, let's go. Let's get it. It's it's very rare that you get a guy that excels in the X's and O's and the motivation talking stuff. Exactly. And he checks both boxes. And that that's a rare commodity. And that's one of the reasons why he's been successful every single place he's gone um, is his teams have won. And I think the other uh, – as far as the scandal stuff – um, I listen, the, the, the prostitutes and all that other stuff that, that that's inexcusable, but as far as the pay for play, I always thought the NCAA was a joke yeah. to begin with, you know? So I, I don't yeah. want to, I don't want to bash them too much because, um, it's a greedy corporation and the rules that they had in place basically enforced, um, you know, an, an unfair caste system. So I, I don't, I, yeah. I don't want to make too big of a deal about that. Right. Um, but I will say if you're going to get Patino, now's a good time to get him because, the NCAA is in so much flux. The transfer portal changes the game to such an extent. The NIL stuff changes the game to such an extent. I mean, you watch these NCAA games. It's almost like every other player on the court, they'll go to the free throw line and the announcer will say, uh, started his career in Louisville, transferred to Kentucky, and now is back at, uh, you know, University of Charleston for a senior year. Yeah. Two or three colleges. Every one of these guys, it seems, I'm amazed, um, you know, and 10, 15 years ago, you know, a guy would get, maybe he would only stay for a year but rarely would you see a good player start somewhere else and then finish and let alone yeah. stop in between um because you had to sit out that 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 transfer year um that no longer being an issue and that the transport changes everything and um the the, the this johnny's are going to have good roster spots they're going to have rosters you know roster spots available um yeah. and patina will get guys to come whether those guys stay healthy um he's talking about academics i don't think they're going to win any um <laughs> any spelling bees uh, or... yeah no academic all-american on this one <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't put my money on on any academic all-stars 
Um, but he will get guys that can shoot the ball. He will get guys that defend. He will get guys that are that are long and lean and, and can get up and down the floor and play the style, the brand of basketball that he wants to play. And he'll demand that they play that way um, because he comes with that gravitas, that that reputation. Guys will want to play for him and play hard for him. And especially it can be a self-fulfilling prophecy if and when the Johnnies start winning games, then that kind of only compounds on itself. Um, you know, NIL money starts rolling in. Um, St. John's plays more games at the Garden. You talked about it. Um, yeah. We had My family had season tickets for Johnny's um, late 90s, early 2000s. I was at the Garden with Bootsy, Bootsy Thornton scored, I think it was 42 to beat Duke. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, that was a big game. Those were big games. I mean, there, there was, oh, yeah. you know, it's hard to it's hard for younger fans, you know, twenty year old kids to imagine. Um, and 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 the, and forget the Mullen Berry days; those predate yeah. me. Oh um, yeah, exactly. That's like my dad's when the, era. When, yeah, when it was this, this Johnny's were arguably bigger in the city than the Knicks, and Biggie's basketball yeah. was bigger than the <laughs> M- NBA for a lot of people. Yeah, um, just just that 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 little run that they had, uh, you know, at, near the turn of the century. Um, was a reminder of how big and 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 how much um, uh, you know national how much attention they can generate if the if the St. John's is playing well. Yeah, back to back national players of the year with Chris Mullen and Walter Berry. Uh, Final Four appearance in which three of the four teams were in the Big East. Almost got four out of four that year. Um, yeah, that there was a golden era of college basketball here in New York, and maybe Rick Pitino can bring a little bit of that. Um, in, in this new era here, it's funny you mentioned the transfer portal and the ability to overhaul your roster very quickly. And that, I think that's why it's going to end up being very successful. I think that yes. um, maybe it's not year one, but it could be year one. He could just bring in crazy, uh, crazy, awesome roster of transfers and one or two recruits. And that's really all you need. But um, definitely by year two, this is going to be a top 15 program. I, I'm that confident. But like he said in this in the post game, in the press conference, they asked him about like the future of the team and the roster they have. <laughs> he said, "Quote: A lot of these players probably won't be back on this team <laughs> because they're not <laughs> a fit for me." Which is one of my favorite quotes I've heard since Deion Sanders in his uh, press conference at Colorado when he told the players in his first <laughs> meeting with them that he's bringing his luggage with him and it's Louie, and that they should think about getting in the transfer portal because <laughs> they're going to get a lot of plans on here. So. Um, Ray Pitino and Coach Prime clearly cut from the same cloth there. I haven't seen it. Has Soriano said anything? I know he was, you know, if Anderson's gone, I'm not coming back. Has he said anything since the Pitino? Yeah, I've not seen him say anything. I know he was very upset about uh, uh, right. Mike Anderson leaving, which is understandable. I mean, he, yeah, he yeah. came here, you know, because Anderson came here. Um, so here, I have a quote here. Rick Pitino, uh, he said, asked the character of the basketball team, to be honest, I don't get into glowing reports, but I did get a glowing report on Joel Soriano. We're going to bring him to a level he didn't think he could reach. So Patino wants him, which makes sense. That's If there's any guy on this team you want to keep, I think you want to keep uh, a guy who's a walking double-double in Joel Soriano. But, um, but but yeah, I know I know he was very upset about what happened Mike Anderson. I'm sure this lawsuit is going to help their case. Yeah, yeah. Rick Patino is, as you guys heard in that, in that quote, I mean, he is a very persuasive person. He's a charismatic guy. He's a guy easy to like until you hear about some of the things he gets caught up into. But like so, so I think there's a chance maybe he can do this. Actually, I see here that he named uh, Soriano the captain of the team, oh, which is a, a big move there, right there. So, so maybe they've already squashed whatever issues Soriano may have had with the uh, with the firing of Mike Anderson. But exciting day, St. John's exciting day for New York basketball. Um, Rick Pitino, I think, is one of the even though I know his Nick tenure was short, like just because of him being a Long Islander, um, him coaching the Knicks, um, him just being a big East coach at Providence and Louisville for a long time was in the East. Well, I just think he's one of the 
the important New York figures uh, when it comes to basketball. So him being head coach St. John's, I think, is awesome. That accent is a guy that should coach St. John's. You know, you just hear Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So that's a good place to leave it here. So that's going to do it for this episode of Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks podcast, Odyssey, WFN original. You can get these episodes wherever you, you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto-download feature on your streaming service to get these episodes every time we drop. We'll be back uh, following this uh, Florida road trip to recap what happened between the Heat and Knicks and the Magic and Knicks. Uh, make sure you also check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports channel. Um, Tommy, let people know where they can find you. At Tommy Beer on Twitter. Find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram. That'll do it for now. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. Tommy, I'm EJ. Thank you, guys. Peace.